Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Studs and Duds Sports. And I'm back here, back with my buddy, the Bishop of Baseball, Dennis Bishop. Dennis, how's it going? Not bad, Adam. Not bad. Waiting for, uh, for opening day to get here. Yeah, we're uh, we're rounding the corner. Only a couple of more spring training days left, and then this Thursday is opening day. Yes, sir. And it, uh, it, it seems like it's been a little bit longer than usual because uh, – Without all of the players in camp, having minor league camp and major league camp together, it does seem like we're getting even more of the same matchups day in, day in, day out. They're only playing like four other teams to keep the travel at a minimum. It's time to get the season on the roll. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's uh, let's kick us off. Speaking of opening day and, and getting the season under on a roll, let's um, – Let's start out with our what our normal regular season format is going to be. Let's start out with some stock up and stock down guys. Um, kicking it off with the American League, Glaber Torres this spring. I mean, he's only hitting 280, but he's got an OPS over 1,000. Is this something that you can see him carrying on into the regular season? Uh, absolutely. He's, uh, he's a stud. He got up to the slow start last year, but was turning it back on late and just ran out of time to put up what would probably been uh, much more uh, what I would say usual numbers that we will come to expect in the future. Uh, two years ago when he absolutely uh, devastated the baseball, do remember that a significantly high number of those home runs were against the Orioles. Uh, so if you want to subtract some of those from that, uh, that 38 total that he kind of exploded onto the scene with, that would be understandable. So I think if you meet in the middle between what he was trending towards last year, as well as, uh, you know, giving, giving him a couple less uh, for that, that situational uh, breakout, then I think you, you would have seen something more in line with, uh, with what we're going to get used to. All right, moving on. Let's stay in the uh, American League East and talk about a team that we're probably not going to talk about a whole lot. Baltimore's Austin Hayes, 388. He's hitting 388 this spring, 1,100 OPS. Where is this guy going to go as far as not just this week, but early in the season? Well, he uh, he's flirted with this before. There, There's talent there, small school kid. Uh, he, he really uh, really put his name – uh, up there uh, while the Orioles began their rebuild and it's kind of injury some cold spurts he hasn't been able to put it all together uh, last year of course short season so that made that also difficult uh, we're kind of waiting to see what he can do over a long haul um, he can handle center field gives him an offensive uh, player to handle a premium position uh, he's definitely one of those building block candidates uh, same thing with Ryan Mountcastle. He's also hitting well. That's what you have to see if you are the Orioles. You have to see the guys who are going to be that first wave of foundational kids uh, begin to hit well. We'll see if DJ Stewart can uh, can do what he was doing when he gets back from uh, his bangs and uh, bangs up and bruises because uh, he went on a, a little bit of a tear under the radar last year as well. Uh, these are the kids that have to be hitting, and uh, for at least Mountcastle and Hayes, that's exactly what they're doing coming out of spring. All right. Uh, let's move on to the uh, let's, let's head over to the central. Um, a couple of guys here, one Kansas city, um, Jorge Soler, 
Obviously, he's going to DH for Kansas City this season. Hitting 278, OPS of 987. He's had a pretty decent spring. He's also got five homers on the street on the spring as well. So it looks like his power numbers are right there, and he's probably going to roll into the season on uh, uh, pretty much what he's going to do. What do you think? Yeah, so Solaire's going to Solaire. Uh, he's going to strike out. He's going to have uh, he's going to have uh, some batting average issues, uh, but you are talking about some of the best pure raw pop in the game. And the fact that he can hit as many home runs as he does playing in one of the uh, most spacious parks in the league is where he really draws his value from. Uh, I think he'll be fine. Uh, He'll be a little streaky, uh, but as long as he is healthy and playing, uh, he will, he he will do damage. Uh, Just got to make sure that the guys around him uh, are competing and that's going to decide just how valuable his home runs are. There's no one on base. They have no reason to not pitch to him. Uh, if there are guys on base, then that's where he's really got to uh, step up, make some contact, but he is there to hit home runs. So that's where you uh, start to walk that line. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a very solid season from him, but it's going to come down to do these guys get on base in front of him. Fair enough. Uh, another central guy. Let's talk about the second baseman for the Cleveland Indians, Cesar Hernandez. 367 this spring. Is this going to continue? A uh, very underrated player. Um, he he does. He has had success in smaller ball, ballparks, same as in Philly, as with Cleveland. Uh, but he's exactly the kind of guy that they need uh, in Cleveland during uh, this kind of reloading phase where they're trying to trying to not fall behind, uh, but still get some, uh, get some affordable youth, uh, into the everyday lineup. Uh, Andres Jimenez had a very strong spring as well, started to fade a little bit towards the end, but he still showed uh, plus plus wheels plus defense. This is going to be a Cleveland team. That's built a little different. It's going to be less damaging swings and more defense, more speed, more doubles, but those two, could form a very important part of it up the middle. I like Cesar. I think uh, in an age where second base play, for some reason, you would think with the shifts, you would think with uh, the exit velocity and all that stuff, you would assume that uh, all positions in baseball would kind of be going through that metamorphosis. But second base has been uh, rather weak as far as the bats go. It's almost it's almost entered a, a, a pre-2000 version where if you're not a uh, a top a top hitting player that's able to handle a shortstop you know you just end up being the lesser physically gifted second baseman that uh is charged with handling the position uh that's cesar but he's got enough upside to where he can be a top five second baseman all right let's move on to the uh american league west here Ty France, third baseman for Seattle, hitting 327 so far in uh, the spring. Also got five homers. Looks like he's got a couple of doubles. He's got some pop in his bat, doesn't he? He does have pop, but I think that's going to be more spring training pop. He's a guy that I'm not going to be buying into. Uh, I think he has the offensive profile to do a job, but he's going to have to bounce around to find playing time. Uh, The interesting thing about Seattle is – is the way the outfield is played. So that's going to, to take one spot away from uh, a utility player looking to, to get a, an everyday uh, foothold because 
that young outfield from top to bottom. I mean, even the more experienced Mitch Hanniger coming back from, uh, from his injury, taking vicious cuts, had a great spring himself. Jared Kellenick having a great spring. You're the guy you mentioned when we talked about uh, their team a couple weeks ago, Taylor Trammell. He played well enough to, to earn a starting gig uh, alongside Kyle Lewis. Now the question is, is Kyle Lewis's knee banged up to the point where he will not be able to start the uh, opening day? Uh, we'll be going to the, the DL for a little bit of time. Uh, but you're talking about five outfielders that put up great numbers and four of them are parts of the future. So when you look at that, that's a plus for Seattle. But however, it might get in the way of Ty France's uh, chances to continue to show his pop because he's not going to play in place of Kyle Seeger and they have a gold glove winning sh- uh, first baseman in Evan White. Right. So it's going to be hard for him to definitely find the field. Uh, last guy, speaking of uh, really not having a position, Chad Pender for Oakland. He's played in uh, a, a bunch of games this spring. Not a whole lot of homers, got some doubles and triples, but he is hitting 364. Uh, do they have one? Is this guy, uh, is that bat legit? And two, do they have a way to get him in the lineup? It's a pure bat. It plays better during uh, spring. Someone like Ty France. Uh, during spring, well, well, while pitchers are getting dialed in, you will see guys who have pure bats all of a sudden feast a little bit. Uh, guys who are missing by uh, an inch or two on the mound, they'll make them pay because their uh, their bat to ball skills are so good. And then usually the weather in Florida, you got wind blowing out. In Arizona, you got your your dry heat. Uh, it's it's conducive to hitting. Uh, you know that's kind of similar with Chad Pinder. He's a he's a very important player for the A's. The A's always find those guys who can move around the field. And in some ways, they remind me of. Uh, the old fantasy football days uh, of the Colorado, uh, the uh, the Denver Bronco running backs, uh, how it just seems like they've got a plethora of guys who will who will cannibalize each other, stealing time. Uh, that's that's kind of the Oakland A's middle infield, uh, unless you have someone bust out like Marcus Semyon did a couple of years ago. Fair enough. Uh, last American League stock up, guys. Um, who is getting this Boston first base job? You got Bobby Dahlbach, who. Uh, has the highest OPS in spring for all of the American League at 1214. And not too far behind him, Michael Chavis is a 938. I mean, both these guys, six homers, seven homers, 16 RBIs, uh, you know, 11 RBIs. So they both had pretty productive springs. Who do you think is going to get the first base gig there? Or is it either of these guys in general? Uh, it, that's going to be Dahlbach's job. Uh, he's got so much upside and he's he's proven that he he's deserving of the chance to swing the bat until he's not connecting anymore. Just pure pop. Uh, looks like, looks like J- Joey Gallo, essentially. Uh, you know, he, he, they've already started his clock. There's no sense in, in disrupting that right now. Uh, absolute monster as far as uh, his ability to, to make hard contact when he squares up. There will be ups and downs, uh, but the fact that Boston is in a reload mode, they have to see what they have in this guy, especially with a more pure hitting first baseman, Tristan Cassis, probably only a year away. They got to know what they got in Dahlbeck. Um, who knows? You may even see something happen with Devers because you, you know Dahlbeck can handle third. Both of them are not exactly what you would like to have if you're talking about a first tier contender. But as far as the offense goes, both can both can handle that position. So I'm very curious to see how 
how the old versus the new uh, shakes out as uh, Bloom continues to put his mark on the team. But Dalbuck definitely deserves the shot. And Chavis, great spring. They'll figure out a way to get him in the lineup if he continues to hit. All right, let's move to some stock down guys and guys that really had uh, some slow springs. Uh, I know one guy that had a real slow spring is JD Martinez. Um, I'm pretty sure he's not going to hit 260 for the whole season and have a 640 or 650 OPS. You know, when do you see him breaking out? The 260, he might. Uh, I love JD Martinez. I was on him way, way early. Um, but it looks like a guy who just lacks interest at the moment. He re-upped his contract with the Red Sox. Of course, COVID hit. He just doesn't seem to be interested in in being a part of a rebuild. He he just doesn't seem to have the spark that we've seen JD hit with. So I'm sure he will do better than he did last year. However, I'm not expecting a career season out of him. And meanwhile, as we talked about with the DH spot in, in Boston with Dahlbeck, with Chavez, some of these younger guys, they're going to decide what they're going to do with him as well because they would love to unload him but to unload him, he's going to have to hit. All right. Another American League East guy that's kind of having a rough spring, DJ LeMahieu for the Yankees. DJ is an interesting uh, an interesting question. He's a professional hitter. I mean, you could, you could say he's one of the top five professional hitters in all of baseball, and I wouldn't argue with you. What I will argue is the impact that DJ has because he's had the fortune of playing in two parks that are absolutely built for him in Colorado and the Yankees. Uh, we're going to see if this is just a slow start, which I believe it is, but make no mistake about it. This is a guy that, uh, that loves to play in his past home parks he really, he really gets on a roll playing there, and then he's usually able to keep it going uh, in away fields, but just not to the same extent. So I'm not too concerned. I think he'll still put up the numbers we've gotten used to. I just question if the matchups, when they have to go play away teams, he gets out of the friendly confines. I've always had my doubts about DJ in that regard. All right, let's move on to uh, the central and the team we both picked to pretty much run away with that division was the White Sox. Jose Abreu, uh, the big power bat at first base, only one homer in the spring and hitting 224. And that OPS is under 650. That's not a good spring for him. You think the uh, he's going to warm up with the weather? Not a good spring. He's not young. Uh, he's not athletic. It could definitely be a case of, uh, of needing to get reps in. Do I expect him to repeat last year? No. He had a couple games where he uh, he went lights out that really buoyed his totals, given the fact there were only 60 games. So I do not expect him to repeat the performance. However, he is perfect for what that team needs, especially as we see Aloy Jimenez go out with a pectoral tear. He's out for five to six months. Uh, Luis Robert, uh, he started off hot again and then had a side issue pop up. Not sure if he's actually over it or if he's just really struggling to get back on his game. But it's the same thing we saw last year of as soon as his hot streak is disrupted, he struggles to get that field back. He might be the most electric field bat in all of baseball if this continues. It's not a great sign right now. You want him to be more consistent. 
But that's why you need a guy like Jose Abreu. Keep the clubhouse going. Keep the offense going. While some of these younger guys, including a guy like Jose Man- uh, Yon Mancada, also uh, tearing the cover off the ball. He looks like he's really starting to go into his prime. And that would be huge for that infield, uh, especially with the questions that are popping up late in camp in the outfield. All right. Let's uh, speaking of outfielders, let's talk about the Cleveland outfield. Eddie Rosario probably had the worst spring of anyone. Uh, 336 OPS, only hitting 143. Uh, speed wasn't there. Strikeouts kind of were an issue. It looks like a little bit with seven, seven, eight strikeouts here. He's just not getting on base. Um, I mean, is this is this a job losing spring for him, or or where do you see Rosario fitting in there? I think he's going to benefit from the lack of pure power. Um, now, how long is that going to last? I don't know. There's a reason that the twins weren't aggressive about bringing him back. He is kind of one dimensional. Uh, he can hit, he can hit with authority, doesn't get on base a ton and doesn't play great defense. So in other words, in modern baseball, there's a lot of guys that you, these teams will, will look at uh, as being just as good for cheaper price. Hence why he found himself not being extended by the twins. Um, I think obviously he is, he is a, a solid to plus hitter. He will turn it around and he'll have opportunity because at the same time he's struggling, Josh Naylor's really, really having issue, uh, finding his footing as well. He was a guy that after kind of being pushed out by a lot of, uh, dynamic prospects in San Diego, he was included in the Clevenger trade and he just, he just can't seem to run away with a job. So he's not putting much pressure on both. These guys will get at bats, but also neither of them are really demanding the everyday roles. So we'll see how they're able to, uh, we'll see how they're able to bounce back from the diversity or the, um, the, the adversity of, uh, of not being in there every single day to lock in if they continue to, uh, to have poor performance. All right. Let's talk about some of the Houston guys. There's a lot of stock down guys here. Uh, it looks like some of these Houston hitters and some names actually um, had some pretty rough springs. Jose Altuve only hitting 204. Uh, Michael Brantley had a rough spring and uh, Uli Gurriel um, playing first base out there for Houston also had a pretty rough spring. Uh, when do you see these guys kind of start to heat up and, and do you think that they, they will eventually? To me, the the one that stands out is Altuve because he's a guy who it his his prime interloped perfectly with the trash can issues. So you look at him who was on a Hall of Fame pace as far as being this generation's best pure hitter. Maybe I mean I don't think it's uh, the amount of hits he I mean he, the amount of hits he was able to tally, uh, then mixing in the speed and some power. This, this is a guy who uh, was an MVP contender uh, every year for a short span of time, and then the trash cans, and then he did not hit well uh, afterwards. And we don't know how much of that had to do with the tipping of pitches, and we don't know how much of it had to do with uh, his, his own lower body injuries that have definitely slowed him down at an accelerated rate. Um, I'm not super worried yet. Uh, however, if it's midseason and he's hitting like this, 
then obviously the Astros are really going to have to start to think about what they're going to do because I don't think those knees will allow him to be a speed-based player anymore, uh, which is also going to affect the range at second base. So it's going to be all about power. I think that's why his strikeouts are up a little bit from what you would expect right now because I think he's really trying to figure out where uh, the second half of his career is going to come from. So, so I think he's in a, in a t- tough place. All right. Now we did talk about um, one of the Seattle guys and Ty France is having a stock up kind of spring. There's a bunch of Seattle guys that are having a stock down JP Crawford, Evan white, Sam Haggerty um, and Dylan Moore, pretty much their entire infield is, is having a pretty rough spring here. Uh, where, where do you see these guys going to start the season? Well, this is the, this is the difficulty with, um, with trying to do the rebuild all at once. Uh, we touched on it a little bit in the past couple of weeks, as far as you really have to mix how you rebuild your team. I feel like you're seeing where the reliance on young guys, Evan White, it's already a gold glove defender. They've already signed him long-term before he even played a, a, prof- a, a major league game. Uh, they know the, goal, the, the glove might be as good as there's been at first base in quite some time. However, the bat, that's going to be touch and go for a while. Uh, So I don't think they're super concerned with that. This is something that was kind of well known. It's where the offensive ability of the outfield can help skew that balance elsewhere. J.P. Crawford, J.P. Crawford strikes me more as a bench player on a solid good team. I think he's filling a role right now playing good defense this the the struggles with a stick aren't super concerning because I don't think they're all that unexpected. The question is at what point do they want to step out of that and put a guy, uh, put a guy there that can do a little bit more damage. I don't think you want to wait two or three years until, uh, Noel V Marte, one of the, 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 the hot prospects in the game is ready seeing as how he's only like 18 years old. So I'd imagine they're going to make a move sooner rather than later. I don't expect JP to, uh, have a masterful year at the plate. Uh, I think it'd be a success if he finishes with 500 at bats, because at some point, you know, you, you can't, uh, you can't keep uh, walking out there with zero for threes. For sure. Um, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for the American league stock up and stock down. Let's move on to the national league. And I'm going to kick us off with the East and one guy that your Mets are going to have to face an opening weekend. Josh Bell has been an absolute monster this spring for the Nationals. 1346 OPS, hitting 391, and the power is there as well. Josh Bell, do you think this carries over beyond uh, and into the season? Yes, uh, I think he's he's basically even before spring started, he was on most people's uh, top tens as far as bounce back candidates. He clearly, uh, he, he clearly is a guy that was feeling the, uh, the, the drudgery of playing in Pittsburgh the last couple of years. Uh, his athleticism started to diminish. Uh, he's always been a better hitter outside of that spacious park. So again, that's not much of a surprise. I think I would be more surprised if he did hit well. Yes, he will be streaky. Yes, the defense at first uh, is a little bit of a problem. Uh, which is why it's an interesting situation with both him and Schwarber in the same lineup, manning defense positions without a DH. 
Uh, I think that's going to cause problems for the Nats, but himself, his stat line should be pretty decent when all is said and done. All right. And uh, speaking of the East, let's stick with uh, your boys, your, your boys in blue, your New York Mets. They have four of the top 18 in the spring training OPS. Uh, Brandon Nimmo brings up the rear in that top 18 with 882. But, I mean, you've got Pete Alonzo, 1,100. Francisco Lindor is uh, killing it right now. You know, do, do you think that uh, this offense is absolutely going to continue? I mean, Kevin Pillar is hitting 333 right now and have, has a 908 OPS. I mean, some of this is going to cool off at some point, right? No, it's a it's it's a, a fantastic time to be alive. Uh, the Mets the Mets are actually hitting the baseball again. Uh, no, I expect good things offensively. This was this was a good offensive team. It's their defense and their bullpen. And then last year, the the opt outs and the injuries just started pitching. Everything fell apart for them. This is a better team than they've showed. Uh, you're going to get offense this year. Uh, it might, it might even be the year that Jake DeGrom, uh, has a win total, uh, that's more commensurate with his abilities, if you can believe it or not. Um, very talented, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> very, very talented offense. Uh, Pete Alonzo looks exactly like Pete Alonzo of two years ago. The swag is back. He's waiting on pitches and he's annihilating balls that are low away. He's looking to go 450 feet to the the right center field. It's it's a good thing to see. Francisco Lindor looks like Francisco Lindor that you were hoping. I'll admit Francisco Lindor has actually looked even better than I was expecting because I was a little curious about uh, what kind of differences they would get in the uh, with the home away splits he put up in Cleveland. Uh, he definitely uh, favored that ballpark and, you know, having to play in city, but the way he's hitting the ball, uh, those, those distances that the field, it's not going to matter. He's, uh, he's on a tear. Uh, it's perfect time to extend him. Definitely earned that. And then you got Nimmo and Pilar. Pilar's not quite the blue chip defender he once was, but he's still good enough to make it a defensive upgrade by moving into center and moving Nimmo to left during uh, late uh, late game switches or um, whenever the whenever whenever the situation calls for it, uh, but he's also but he's also hitting the ball better the last couple of years than he has. So it's definitely balancing out, and this spring has been no different. He's handling the position well. He's hitting well. It's a nice addition. And Nimmo, the the problem with Nimmo is that he hasn't convinced people how good he is because he struggled to play a full season. If he goes back to his usual of miss, missing 60 games, then I think Pilar can step in. And if he's swinging the bat like he's right now, there might not even be that much of a difference. All right. Let's uh, move on to some of the guys in the central. Uh, I know we're kind of not huge fans of the Cincinnati Reds and their prospects in the division, but they do have a couple of hot hitters and Jonathan India and Jesse Winkler are, uh, you know, two, two guys that have been really kind of lighting it up a little bit in the spring training. Where do you see these guys starting the season at? Um, Winker, Winker's a guy I've been a fan of for years. It's really taken him some time to bully his way past a platoon. And then last year he started on fire, but not uncommon to last year where uh, the year was so short. Towards the end, he started to tank because he started to get figured out a bit. But this is a guy who, as long as he plays within himself, he can hit the ball hard enough to get out of any park, but especially in Cincinnati, he doesn't have to swing hard 
to be a power threat. He's worked on his uh, his attack angles. And right now, I think uh, last I checked, he had something like a, a 9K to 10 walk, pretty even ratio. Uh, and that's how that's that's what he lives on. He's going to be one of those modern players of he's going to strike out a bit, but he's also going to walk just as much, add some power. The difficulty is the defensive alignments in Cincinnati. They don't look like uh, what you would expect a, a major league baseball team because they're trying to shoehorn some some good hitters into positions they shouldn't be playing. Um, I really don't like the idea of him as well as Castellanos in the same outfield and without the DH, it's going to be tough to uh, get away from doing that. Uh, you mentioned Jonathan India. He's a huge question mark right now for the Reds. He was a guy that uh, went very high in his draft a couple of years ago, college player out of Florida. Uh, may have even been the uh, college player of the year that year. I forget, but he was definitely very highly rated coming out. And once he got into the minor league game, he kind of started to look like a bit of a tweener, didn't have the uh, the impact bat that you want in a highly regarded third base prospect. But he also wasn't really seen as athletic enough to play up the middle. They're going to try to get him to play second where he would be an offensive upgrade over a typical second baseman, especially as we spoke about earlier. Uh, the question is, is he going to be a, he's going to be a rookie? He's going to be making a jump. Uh, a big jump to the big leagues and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to perform both defensively and offensively. And all the while by him going to second, they're moving Mustakis to third and trying to shift Eugenio Suarez to shortstop. And that has nightmare written all over it. So this is going to be a very interesting year for the Reds. I do not like them. I don't like the direction they're going. It's, it, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit desperate. They've got a couple guys that they've paid. Uh, they don't want to go into a rebuild. They know they've got some guys who can hit the ball, but they're going to put a bad defense in front of uh, a pitching staff that has Luis Castillo leading the way. Then he got Sonny Gray, who's a little bit banged up right now with back tightness. And after that, very big question marks the rest of the way down the staff. It's not like last year where you walked into it with Castillo, a healthy Sonny Gray, and uh, Trevor Bauer. So I think that's good. They're going to have a long season in Cincinnati. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about their defensive struggles as the season goes on. I'm sure. Um, moving on to the St. Louis Cardinals, Tyler O'Neill uh, is hitting 372 this spring. He's got a couple of homers. Looks like he's got a couple of stolen bases. Is this the year that he kind of becomes a full-time player for St. Louis? I think there's a very good chance he becomes a full-time player. Uh, they were able to, to get out from underneath Dexter Fowler, thanks to the, uh, the Angels coming in and looking for more win-now experience, uh, as they often are. Um, so Dexter Fowler isn't much of an issue anymore. Uh, obviously, they moved Randy Rosarena, so he's not an issue, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's really down between, you got Harrison Bader playing center field, who is an amazing center fielder and can't hit. Uh, you have uh, Lane Thomas, who has flashed physical ability, but has not been consistent at all. Uh, Austin Dean is now kind of seen as like the fourth guy to play all positions. And then you got O'Neill. So I think O'Neill will be able to, to carve out everyday play. Will he be able to capitalize on that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's the kind of guy who every day is going to work for him because he can get deep into slumps, a lot of swing and miss, but he's a very nice guy to roll the dice on due to a combination of his, uh, 
his uh, batted ball data. He he swings with a lot of force, does a lot of damage to a ball, and he's got speed. Uh, he's always been interesting, hasn't been able to put together yet, but St. Louis is a team that will play veterans, so he should get his shot. Will he say that? All right, let's move on to the West. Um, one guy I'm interested in, I mean, we're going to talk about the Dodgers a lot this season, I'm sure. Uh, Corey Absolutely. Seager's having, <laughs> Corey Seager's having a monster spring, and it's not unexpected for him. But let's talk about some other guys uh, on some teams that we probably won't talk about a whole lot or teams that are going to have uh, some pretty rough years. Josh Fuentes is replacing Nolan Arenado at third base in Colorado. He's having a pretty decent spring. He's hitting 333s. OPS is around 917. He's got a homer, so he's got a little pop there. Uh, what do you think of his spring, and is this going to carry over? I want to say it's going to carry over just because uh, clearly there's some talent there and he's going to be playing in Colorado. But at the same time, I've seen for years as they've tried to figure out what they're going to do with their catcher and first base situation. And every time someone goes there, we get excited about it and they pretty much uh, are dead on arrival. So I'm not I've been burned too many times. I'm not going to put too much faith in it. Um, I had more faith that uh, Brendan Rodgers was finally starting to turn around and he ends up getting injured again, as seems to be the case with him quite often. So right now, uh, you know, Fuentes, I'm going to pass on. Uh, he, you know, I think he's the new guy in Colorado that's getting the Colorado hype. I'm going to have more fun watching CJ Crone. He's had a good spring himself. And I think he's a guy who could just bombard uh the uh the waterfall out there the uh the um the environmental scene in center field uh <laughs> as he gets uh everyday playing time because that's going to be that that could be fun to watch that could be the batting practices could be worth uh more than the games <laughs> <laughs> they're going to rename it the crone zone <laughs> hey, they might they might we'll see well now the question is will it lead to more than 45 wins who knows but i think that'll be a fun one to watch all right, and then uh, one other guy in the West I, I kind of want to touch on a little bit, Josh Rojas for the cart for the uh, I'm sorry for the Arizona Diamondbacks hitting 353 this spring. He's got four homers. Um, you know, is that is that bat playable everywhere, and is that going to carry in the season? Uh, I'm I'm going with the same thing as Fuentes. Uh, you know, every year we get a bunch of a, a bunch of guys who are flat who've always had ability. Uh, who are flashing some big numbers in spring. Like I said before, these are most off. Usually these are hitters environments against pitchers who are ramping up, who are, who are less interested in the result than they are uh, their process. So these guys, they, these guys come along and it's just, it, you will, you will win many more games by not buying into it uh, unless there is some deep seated raw talent that was derailed for other reasons, such as we'll just use Josh Hamilton's career as an example. You know, you see a guy like that who's crushing a baseball, who always had the ability to crush a baseball, then I'm more interested. Up until now, this is a guy who, these guys are fighting for their baseball lives. They're going to every at-bat as focused as some of the guys they're playing against would be in October. Um, this is their World Series, making the team, uh, getting those pensions, uh, you know, supporting their family with at least uh, a minimum salary check from week to week, as long as they can get in the Jersey. So I'm not as big on both of these players, but they are going to be playing in decent offensive environments to say the least. So they're, de they're definitely worth a flyer. All right. Let's uh, go down to some of our stock down guys for the spring. 
Uh, has anyone had a rougher spring really than Trey Turner? I mean, this guy uh, playing in Washington, you know, they're kind of expecting a little bit more from him than a 178 batting average. Uh, <laughs> you think he's going to be able to, to uh, you know, put the bat on the ball a little more consistently as, as uh, we start the season here? I'm sure he is. Uh, he's always been a guy who could put the, put the bat on the ball. Um, he might get a little, he might get a little pull heavy uh, because he does have the strength to hit home runs, but at the same time, that's not really what you want him doing on a regular basis. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be fine. I think both him and Soto, uh, they're, they're both starting off cold. Um, I don't think they're that, that you really want to be trying to flip that switch versus Jake DeGrom on opening day, but overall they're going to be fine. These are two MVP candidates. Uh, I don't see any reason why it'll continue. I think part of the thing for, for Trey is this is a speed guy and you don't want to be busting it at 110% during spring training. Uh, That's a great way to end up on, you know, a 60 day DL with a torn hammy for a stolen base. That meant nothing. So I'm okay with him. He'll be fine. His game is a, is a high speed game. It's like uh, jumping in a Ferrari to go to Wegmans down the street. It's just not necessary. Uh, so let's, let's wait until we get uh, a couple weeks into the season before we, uh, we write off Trey. Fair enough. And uh, you know, let's talk about the winners of the NL East last season and pretty much the entire team is stocked down the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> um, <laughs> they have not hit at all this spring. I mean, I'm not super concerned about Freddie Freeman. He's coming off an MVP season. He's been, consistently good to great almost every season uh, the last four or five years. So I'm not super concerned about him, but is there anyone on that offense that you are concerned about to start the season off that is really cold right now? Well, Pache, we spoke about him last week. Uh, I, I want to see some offensive gains from him, and that is not what spring has been about. Young guy, it's not the end of the world, but like we like we talked about, you don't want this to become a Juan Laguerre situation. Um, you want to see the guy make some, make some strides and it hasn't been done yet this spring. You want to see him warm up. You're really saddling him with a lot of responsibility. I know that publicly they'll tell you that if this guy goes out, plays gold glove defense, helps out that young pitching staff, they'll be totally fine with it. But this is a team that wants to, to go to a world series. So in the locker room, I'm not sure if that actually does cut the mustard. So he's a guy that I want to see improve. The other thing too is uh, Mr. Acuna. Um, while while the the numbers fine overall, I still have the same worries about him that I had uh, when he was uh, making a run towards the MVP two years ago. Is a guy with this much speed and athletic talent? The fact that he he just hits all home runs for his extra base hits. Uh, he's going to have to either go, you know, 40, 40, uh, or lead the league in home runs to win that MVP award that people are kind of waiting on because the lack of doubles really torpedes torpedoes his, uh, his slugging percentages. So he could be doing so much better. And I'm a little disappointed that it's, it seems to be the same old hat as far as it's a big uppercut swing where he's looking to go 450 or hitting on top of the ball and grounding out. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's one of the things that, you know, really concerns me about his batting style as well. He kind of 
he wants to be the make the big splash offensively, and he needs to figure out that sometimes making the big splashes, hitting the ball in the corner when you got runners on first and second. You know, those two RBIs Absolutely. are way better than the double play to end the inning. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd like to say that I, that uh, this is a big reason why I think it was a huge score that they brought back Ozuna. They have a great relationship. Uh, he has a great relationship uh, with Ozzy Albies. Um, but at the same time, usually a guy's not looking to hit more doubles as he loses foot speed. So this is something I'd like to see him correct more. Now, basically, as we spoke uh, with the American League previews, I want to see him do more Vlad Jr. rather than Vlad Jr. do more uh, Ronda Cunha. I want to see him uh, just laser balls all over the field. And they're strong enough. They'll get out if you hit them. Uh, I'd rather sacrifice five to ten home runs for ten to twenty more doubles, um, especially with Acuna speed. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes this year. Uh, I'm sure at the end of the day there will be some eye popping numbers, but I would I would prefer to see him round out that offensive arsenal. Yeah, I think that'll come a little bit more with being the maturity at the plate more than the actual talent. We all know talent's there; it's just gonna be the maturity. Uh, oh, speaking absolutely. of speaking of mature guys, um, has anyone had a worse spring training than Matt Carpenter? He's hitting 028. <laughs> Matt's Matt looks done. Uh, and he, Matt's looked done for a little while now. And it's it's interesting the way the Cardinals do their business, where the emphasis on uh, maturity, the the emphasis on experience. Uh, it really seemed like we needed a deal for the best third baseman in baseball to really twist the knife and say, okay, Matt, it, it's time for a utility role because, <laughs> because we no longer had any question that, you know, the defense uh, and the offense, you, you, it's just, he was pulling down the team. So we'll, we'll see how he fits in to, uh, to, to not having an everyday role, uh, as an experienced, uh, professional hitter, he could find that he has a lot of value in a, in a Ryan Zimmerman type way, as far as being able to stay rested and then put that to good use with his knowledge of, of pitchers across the league. So it could be a good move for the Cardinals, uh, on both ends but definitely getting him off the field in a regular capacity. I think it was more than time. Right. And uh, you talked about going out and getting the best third baseman in baseball. Well, his spring hasn't been great either. <laughs> no, uh, he's no. a guy that is definitely, you know, he's a, he's hitting 222 right now. Uh, no homers, only a couple of RBIs. Uh, the strikeouts aren't there. I mean, he's not striking out a ton, but he's also not making any contact so far this spring. <laughs> um. It's, it's not a good sign. Uh, usually, usually a guy with that talent and track record in his prime years, usually you're not gonna, you're not gonna bat two eyes at, uh, what his numbers look like in spring. The, the question with Arenado is he's got a big burden of proof that he's got to overcome as far as what that stadium has meant to his, uh, career totals, especially going to a stadium, uh, in St. Louis that's been a big pitcher park. So there is some room for concern. Uh, maybe it's just because are you concerned that he's trying to do too much because he knows these questions are lingering? Uh, or is it a matter of 
uh, he really, you know, is not as talented with a bat as uh, the earlier parts of his career may have pointed to. Uh, probably somewhere in the middle, realistically speaking. The guy's still an all-star. The guy is still on a Hall of Fame track, but the questions are legitimate. So I would like to see him start to to ramp it up here, it, you know, because it, the, all eyes are going to be on him, especially with the fact that the Cardinals are, you know, are now the favorites to win the division. All right, let's uh, swing out west here. There are quite a few of these Arizona Cardinals that are not having great springs. You've got Trace Thompson, Wyatt Matheson. Um, you know, some of these guys obviously uh, are trying to win jobs, and that's definitely not helping. <laughs> uh, which which one of these uh, not great springs is uh, really not going to hurt some of these Arizona players? Um, the – the Diamondbacks are a tough one. Uh, they're a team that uh, I don't know if we mentioned it during their preview, but they're kind of a middling team. Um, I think their biggest issue, the, the ones that scare me most are the pitching side. Um, the only guy who was throwing uh, with confidence uh, was Zach Gallen, their team ace. That's all great news until he goes down with a, a slight forearm fracture. So he'll be out for a while. So now Bumgarner, instead of kind of, looking to be on the bounce back trail. Now he's got to step back into a presumed ACE role. And even though he's had a solid spring, as far as uh, some of the peripherals go, uh, he's still a guy who is giving up a lot of hard, uh, a lot of hard contact for, uh, you know, his career track record. So it's really the pitching to me that is the most uh, concerning for the, uh, for the D backs. Uh, they do have Kettle Marte swinging a hot bat again. That's that would be worth so much to them because after he fell off the face of the earth last year and people started to wonder about, is the juice ball gone? Is this, you know, is this what's happening? Uh, hopefully for them, it was just a case of him getting out of his workout regimen with the, uh, with the shortened season, the cancellation of spring training. Uh, he's hitting with authority again, and he really needs to be their best. He really needs to be their, their best player. He offers them position flexibility, uh, as well as a little bit of that swagger uh, and highlight reel batting ability, and Christian Walker's having a good a good season, uh, a good spring with the bat, which he's more of a safe guy than your your classic first baseman. So so that's good to see. But uh, yeah, I would definitely say the pitching side has me most concerned uh, about the Diamondbacks. All right, and last uh, last but not least for the stock down guys. Will Wilson for the Giants hitting 149, a solid OPS of 450. <laughs> I think he's going to be uh, – it looks to me like he's probably going to start the season in the minors and have to retool that swing. Um, is that pretty much what you're looking at? Well, not that, uh, not that the Angels always make the, the best decisions, but there's a reason that they basically – uh, gave him up in uh, as part of a salary dump, despite being a first round pick just the year before. Uh, clearly, if they were in love with him, they would have never done that, even with the the odd decisions they make. So I'm not too surprised. Uh, he was probably I think most people thought he was a bit of a of a reach taken when he was in the draft. Uh, but collegiate shortstops that show kind of a 
uh, an ability to handle the position while also flashing some plus abilities. They will, they will move up because it is the hardest position to find as a shortstop. It is the, it is a quarterback of, of baseball where you need to have just the right ingredients to be able to even walk onto the field and play it at a major league level. So that'll often see you uh, burned uh, by trying to go that route. Uh, yeah, I, I, he's not a guy that I think you're going to really see establish himself as anything more than a regular or uh, utility player, uh, especially if the Giants uh, are able to get the kind of play that they're hoping for from the wave of young talent they've got. Marco Luciano, talk about terrible spring, but at least he's like 18 years old. So it kind of it's kind of okay that he struck out in half of his at-bats a little bit more so than uh, former first round pick Spencer Torkelson in Detroit, who this is, you know, this is a guy who was seen as very, very close to major league ready. And his first spring was an absolute thud. Um, but still you're talking about a tooled up shortstop that I don't think he'll give Will Wilson uh, basically a chance to breathe as far as uh, wrestling uh, playing time away from him. If Wilson doesn't do it this year. All right, that wraps it up for our stock up, stock down segment. Now I'm going to touch on it because it is opening week. Uh, I'm going to bring up a couple of matchups, uh, team matchups, and then also one pitching matchup that is too juicy to uh, to really pass up. And uh, Dennis, if you just want to give us a couple of things that we should watch out for in some of these matchups. Let's kick us off with yep. the Blue Jays and Yankees, basically the two teams that should be fighting for the East or that we think are going to be fighting for the East along with the Rays. Um, they're going to kick off the season playing each other. Uh, looks like it's going to be Ryu versus Garrett Cole on day one. What should we look for in this series? Yeah, this one, this one's going to be fun. Uh, Garrett Cole is one of the guys for the Yankees that he's, he looks, he looks ready to go. He looks, he looks like a thoroughbred that's uh that's ready to, to, to get out of the gate fast um, and get the season underway. I don't think you can have a better uh, contrast in pitching styles between uh, him and Ryu, but Ryu's able to, uh, Ryu's able to, to, to keep damage to a minimum. He's an old school pitcher. Uh, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Uh but I think that uh, that this is one that the Yankees are going to walk away with. Uh, the Blue Jays made a statement last year in in the games against the Yankees, uh, where they kind of like really wrestled some control as far as the, the futures uh, go, some future stock goes. But none of those games came against Garrett Cole. So if you tell me that the Jays will take the series, uh, I'll be with you. Uh, I'm totally fine with with saying that that's possible, both in the the, this weekend and over the season, but I think Garrett Cole is going to stymie him. I'm going to go with a low scoring Yankee win. All right, let's move over to the central. Got the Indians and the Tigers, two teams we think that are probably going to be competing in the central. Uh, obviously they have to battle with the white Sox as well. Uh, Shane Bieber and Matthew Boyd. Uh, where do you think this series is going? What should we look for here? Um, I don't think it's going to go well for the Tigers this time around, but they are going to be happy with the fact that, uh, that Matt Boyd actually took some steps to looking like the guy that uh, many people are calling for a breakout last year. Uh, he's kept the walks to a respectable level, still getting the strikeouts. He's looked comfortable. Um, as well as the fact that uh, Willie Castro 
and Heimer Candelario. They both had breakouts last year and over the short season, you really want to see that continue through spring and they've both done it. So Detroit is looking less like a total cakewalk uh, for other teams. But as far as opening day goes, they got Shane Bieber. Bieber loves to pitch uh, at Comiskey. It's, it's not going to be a great – or not Comiskey, Comerica. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be a good matchup at all for the Tigers. I think they're going to start a long season with a long day. Um, but there are some signs of hope, at least. So, uh, But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Indians on that one. All right. Now let's go, uh, let's go out west. And this one is really intriguing to me. You have the White Sox, who are the odds-on favorites for the Central, and you got the Angels, who in our um, in our season previews we thought were an interesting team because we're trying to figure out if they have enough meat behind the star power in uh, Mike Trout to carry them and make them contenders. What do you see in this series? Well, I think I think our projections of the Angels being an interesting team. Uh, are continuing to to hold firm because they wish they could bottle up uh, the water in spring training and take it with them because you've had some offensive eruptions from some veteran hitters. Uh, Justin Upton is hitting like he did in his prime. Uh, Albert Pujols is joining him. Uh, Upton with a little bit uh, a little bit more thump, perhaps. Uh, whereas Pujols is, is not striking out at all. And then a key to watch every day, but especially for the start of the season, is, is Otani going to be in the starting lineup? Otani might be the best bat in baseball right now, as far as spring goes. A 1.7 OPS, and despite swinging with a ferocity that he does, you're, you're sitting there looking at three strikeouts and three walks, right on it, you know, right balanced, uh, the, the fact he's putting the ball, the bat on the ball that consistently with as hard as he's swinging, it's incredible. It's enough to where I think, uh, I think you take the spring and I think you put a, uh, a kibosh on the, uh, on the pitching, at least in a starting capacity. I want this guy in my lineup every single day. Um, he could, he could, he could drive some problems for Giolito. Giolito's hot. He's definitely a stock up guy. He's looking like the AC is. Um, but the White Sox are a team that really get a benefit from hitting in their home park. And they also handle lefties, uh, with, with a bit more, uh, efficiency. So this could be a surprise game. I, I, I might be interested to see how Dylan Bundy, who's about the only pitcher that's had a good spring, um, for the angels. I'd like to see how he handles that lineup, especially before they've decided what direction they're going to go in with Aloy Jimenez's injury and before Luis Robert can get on track again. So, so I'm going to go with the surprise of the angels here. All right. Let's uh, stay out West with switching the national league. The Dodgers are going to Colorado. Is this a series where you just plug in all your Dodgers hitters and say, Hey, they're at cores. Why not? Or is that weather going to be way too cold? Well, the Dodgers uh, with the Dodgers hitters, I think you pretty much do that no matter what. Uh, but, that said, if you're if you're looking for lightning in a bottle, if you're looking to to have some fun with jumping an underdog type situation, uh, is Colorado the place where I want Clayton Kershaw, uh, Trevor Bauer, and Walker Bueller to put their final tune-ups on display? 
that's a little bit less confidence building. Uh, I'm thinking even though traditionally uh, the last couple of years, at least you're looking about a hundred, 150 uh, OPS differential uh, for Colorado hitters during this early month of the season. Um, that should be taken into account, but it's also not the place I want to see uh, those veteran guys for the Dodgers really try to, to tune up. Uh, it could be a little bit volatile. You know, one of them could go absolute lights out. The other two could struggle uh, while they're still trying to get their stuff down. So I'm going to go with just uh, an overall uh, high scoring affair. Um, the Rockies pitching uh, that's definitely in flux, uh, especially after Kyle Freeland went out with a, a shoulder strain. He was, uh, he was looking good. Uh, John Gray, he has not looked good. Uh, he just needs to get out of Colorado, start fresh. Um, but since that's not the case, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm just going to go ahead and say that, uh, there's gonna be some offense in this one. All right, let's move over to the central. You got the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds opening day matchup with the two stud pitchers here, Jack Flaherty and Luis Castillo. Who do you think takes this matchup? Oh boy. This one's a tough one. Um, this one's a tough one just because I just because though I think the Cardinals will do much better throughout the course of the season. Uh, Cincinnati can get ramped up for opening day. Luis Castillo is still one of the more underrated pitchers in the game. Whereas Jack Flaherty not having a great spring. You're still kind of wondering where he is, where, where's is he at? Is he going to be just, uh, you know, your, your higher tier, uh, pitcher or is he a complete ace like he kind of showed a couple years ago um i'm gonna i'm gonna go with a surprise i'm gonna say that the reds are gonna be competitive in this one uh they will have a lot of firepower it's just not something i expect to hold up in the long run uh i think their lack of i think their lack of a, a, a proven bullpen the lack of a proven back end of the rotation and the bad defense is more than they're going to be able to overcome. But I do think that they could slug their way to a nice little start. If, uh, if everything goes right. Fair enough. And that'll be our, our first look of Nolan Arenado in a Cardinals uniform as well. Absolutely. Uh, and, and obviously the Reds are getting them at a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, let's uh, wrap this up with probably your favorite game to talk about in your favorite series, your New York Mets. Going to the Washington Nationals, degromination against Max Scherzer. This is a mouthwatering matchup of two dominant aces. Who's taking this one? Oh, I mean, you know, I'm going with Degrom on this one. Um, and and <laughs> honestly, and, and honestly, it's not even Degrom because either Scherzer or Degrom could win this game one nothing. Absolutely no problem there. Really, what's going to put me over the edge on this is. The Nationals bullpen is still not good. And the fact that Brad Hand has had an extremely rough spring, and I don't think he knows who he is because he's a guy without the velocity, without the uh, the exceptional stuff that you expect to see in a power closer. He's always gotten the job done. But now he seems to be in this mode where he's chasing strikeouts and I'm not sure he's the guy that should be chasing strikeouts, and I think it's hurt him this spring. Uh, I don't think I don't think there's a finished product there as far as the Nats' pen. Whereas, shockingly, 
Uh, I think the Mets pen has made some big strides right now. Uh, if you told me any, any day of the week that Jake DeGrom starts a ball game, he could go, go eight innings and be followed up with an Edwin Diaz closeout. I would buy that because they are both throwing tremendously well. I think Diaz is really going to have his, his welcome to New York moment this year. He did some good things last year. The talent's there. He's starting to get it back. Um, and meanwhile, a few other guys like Miguel Castro, Trevor May, um, there, there are some improvements in the, uh, the Mets pen. So it's really uh, surprisingly to say uh, that it's the Mets pen that lead me to kind of lean towards uh, the Mets in this one because either DeGrom or Scherzer could leave this game in the eighth inning 0-0. So I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go with the fact that Mets have the hot bats right now. Uh, you know, as I say that, Juan Soto will probably hit three home runs. Uh, but <laughs> like I said, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a piece of cake getting your swing down against Jake DeGrom. So it's I would also, like to see him in uh, Turner. Yeah, it's also a, uh, a good point that you bring up there with the bullpens as well because, I mean, DeGrom and Scherzer, both these guys in the middle of the season could easily go complete game, one nothing, you know, wins, Absolutely. shutouts here. But, you know, opening day, are their managers yep. really going to let him go eight? Yep. <laughs> and we don't – and we – because remember, we don't know what we're going to see this year. We don't know what every team – uh, it's been talked about, but I don't think it's been really overanalyzed, perhaps as much as it should be. Every team has their own idea of what the rotations are going to look like as far as workload goes. Is Are any of these teams going to let a pitcher go 200 innings? Are any of these teams going to let a pitcher go 150 innings? Um, we could see a lot of guys fall short of quality starts and uh, being qualified for even wins. Uh, it's something that's been happening more and more uh, – over the past half decade anyway. So if you told me this year, you're going to see a lot of real good pitching performances end after four or five innings, uh, I absolutely would not argue with you. So it's going to be a little bit uh, strange to see when all of a sudden on opening day, we can see a whole lot of nice pitching performances go by the wayside before we even hit the midway point. Yeah. I mean, there's, there could be a bunch of these aces that are going five, six innings and all of a sudden, you know, the bullpens come in and these one nothing games turn into 15 to 12 games real quick. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for our uh, preseason previews and our opening day previews as well. Uh, we'll be back at you next week for another stock up, stock down after week one and uh, a little bit of a preview for week two. For uh, Dennis, the Bishop of Baseball, this is Adam, and we'll see you next week.